Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have with us Emma Walker, who is Regional Director for Scotland at Autocon, which is a unique multinational IT consultancy and social enterprise, which exclusively employs autistic adults as IT consultants. Hi, Emma, how are you? Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Delighted to be here this morning. Thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, I think it's great to be, have you. I think it would be um, useful if you, you know, for, the, for those who don't know much about Autocon, um, if you could maybe just give us a bit of um, background and talk a bit about the, the work that you do. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I guess Autocon essentially is an IT consultancy with a couple of major differences. As you mentioned, we exclusively employ autistic consultants. So all of our consultants are autistic. And we're also a social enterprise. So the company was launched in Berlin in 2011. It was actually started by a father who had an autistic son who had a real keen interest and passion in IT, yeah. but he struggled to find employment. Yeah. So Autocon was launched. Uh-huh. So yeah. roll on 11 years, uh-huh. and we now have 22 offices globally. We employ over 350 people, of which more than 70% are autistic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I mentioned we're a social enterprise. So the social issue that we're trying to address is the fact that only 16% of autistic adults are currently in full-time employment, although 77% say they'd like to work. And if you compare the statistic to that for disabled people in general, it's a really disappointing statistic. Yeah. Mm. So our mission, yeah, our mission at Autocon is really simple. We just aim to improve the employment prospects of autistic adults. That's fantastic. We, Sorry, yeah. carry on, Emma. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was, I was looking to explain the way we actually try to do this. Mm. So we do this by offering um, autistic people who have a talent for IT, we offer them permanent contracts of employment. We then place them in client teams to work on client projects. And by doing this, we hope that the team see the sort of skills and abilities and in particular, the different way of thinking that that um, individual brings to the team. And this then changes their perception about autism. We hope that this then acts as a catalyst for the wider organisation to bring in more neurodivergent talent to that organisation. And that's how we aim to make our bigger impact. With all the different clients we've spoken to along the years, um, not all of them want to go down the contractor route. But I think more and more organisations are beginning to understand the value of having a diverse workforce, and in particular a neurodiverse workforce. Mm-hmm. But they want to have their own neurodivergent employees. So we've set up a training arm to our business as well. So we help and support organisations to attract, recruit and retain their own autistic talent. So in a nutshell, that's Autocon. That's, that's great. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I think you, when we last chatted, you mentioned that stat about the only 16% of autistic adults oh. are in full-time employment. And that's quite a shocking stat when you think about it. Um, and... Yeah, I think, you know, it's really, really interesting what you're doing and, and quite a lot for us to kind of unpack there as well, just mm. in terms of the different aspects of, of what you do. That's great for me too, to just gain a better understanding of what Autocon mm. is, because obviously I've never met you before, Emma, so it's great to meet you and it's great to just hear, you know, a broad overview of what you do as an organisation. Um, but just kind of going back to your own background a little. So your background is predominantly within HR. You've worked in HR and recruitment for years. So how did you arrive at Autocon? Well, now there's a story. (laughs) 
actually see, I worked in nature for decades, but mm. then I did take on um, a contract in one of the large financial services organisations as a governance and controls manager. Okay. And that's how I got into the IT sort of um, environment. And then I worked, went to work on the other side of the coin. I worked directly for the IT consultancy as a client relationships manager. So it was while I was doing that job, my oldest son, who's actually autistic, he was in his final year at university. So he's had a few ups and downs. He managed to get through school, through university, but finding employment was proving challenging with all the barriers in the recruitment process. So I elected to give up my job to concentrate on giving Kyle his start in his career. So I thought there must be lots of other people very similar to Kyle. Um, So I thought, why not start up a little business trying to help lots of people similar to Kyle as well as Kyle. So I had my business plan all set out, (laughs) all set to go. And then Autocon opened an office in Edinburgh. And I thought, well, they're doing exactly what I want to do, but they're going to pay me to do it. So I joined Autocon in March 2019. Amazing. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and just, I, w- I was going to ask, to be quite honest with you, like, you know, had you always had maybe a desire to better understand autism or what, work with individuals with neurodiverse conditions? Because I, it is obviously a very niche uh, sector to get into, but that's really interesting, that kind of personal backstory to, you, you know, your, your uh, arrival at Autocon as well. Um, and how, how is your son doing now? Like, you know, what, what's he up to? I guess um, he tried to go to um, to quite a few interviews and was unsuccessful. And then he applied to Autocon and he's had an amazing career. He's worked for three different organisations, different client projects. Amazing feedback. So he's doing really well. That's that's really great. Glad to hear that. And tell us a little bit more about then, you know, the recruitment process at Autocon. So what is the process from, you know, recruiting consultants through to placing them? Because like I have done a bit of research. It's a very unique recruitment process, I think. So can you just chat us through that a little bit? Yes, definitely. Mm. I guess to start with, we don't interview in the traditional sense. Okay. Um, we have quite a straightforward process, which we um, put on our website. So everybody who wants to apply to us, is, they can see at the outset what to expect, what the different stages are. Mm-hmm. So all we ask is somebody submits a CV on our website, which is a really easy, easy process. There's no application forms, anything like that. Um, and then we put them through the process. So the first step of the process is a cognitive skills test, because we do ask that all of our consultants have above average cognitive skills, so we can place them into IT contracts. And then we give them a technical test. So if somebody has stated on their CV, for example, they are proficient in Python coding, mm-hmm. we would send them a Python coding test just to verify they have that skill. And then following that, we have a technical chat with our technical director and that's really to chat through what the person's career aspirations are what do they enjoy what technologies do they really feel they're good at mm-hmm. what technologies would they like to learn is an area of IT they really want to get into what, what's their passion so we get to understand that side of the person and then the final um, element of our recruitment process is the job coach chat okay And here we get to sort of understand more about the person. Um, We understand about their autism and how that impacts on them because everybody is very, very different. So it's important we understand that. And we talk about their past experiences. Have they had anything that's helped them in the past? Any situations which have been absolutely awful? Um, If they they have worked before, have they had any adjustments? What what has helped? What type of environment do they like working in? So we get to understand and learn more about the whole person. 
And then after that, we offered them a contract of employment. But then that's when the really hard part starts is like finding a placement. Because yeah. again, um, we're not like some IT consultancies, we're not sort of bums on seats. We take a lot of care to make sure we find the right placement for our consultants. Because mm. a lot of consultants that have come to us have had a bit of a bumpy road. They haven't had great experiences. They've maybe lost confidence, have low self-esteem yeah. because of bad experiences. So it's really important that we find a contract that they will succeed in, they'll do well in. Mm. And also for our reputation. I mean, it doesn't do us any good if we place a consultant that's not going to um, fulfill the role. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. So by understanding the consultants and then obviously understanding our clients' needs, we try and make that match. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for chatting us through that. What an interesting process, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, no, it really is. And and I suppose what I'm interested in as well, you mentioned the the training that you do for for businesses, um, the neurodiversity inclusion service training. And I think um, it'd be really interesting if you kind of talk through that and you know, the feedback you get from people that you work with on that. And also I'm quite interested in, you know, work, so how receptive are, are these organisations that you're working with to this um, and what kind of feedback are you getting from the people you work with? I think I mean, to start with the feedback, um, the people we've spoken to have really enjoyed the training we've offered. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you're very, very uh, well aware, there's a skills shortage in the UK. Yeah. So people are having to sort of widen where they find the talent from. Yeah. So I think more and more people are thinking, well, maybe we should try um, recruiting um, an autistic person or a neurodivergent person. Mm. And I think people are also understanding the additional benefits and the skills mm. and um and great abilities these people can bring to an organisation in terms of adding diversity of thought. Yeah. So I think we're hitting the market at the right time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And as you said, so, the I mean, market, I, sorry, the, yeah, the market um, has been crazy within mm-hmm. IT recruitment generally the past few years. Um, you know, very, as you say, candidate shortage, candidate driven market. So have you guys been absolutely kind of rushed off your feet in terms of inbound calls with people? Or how, how's that been the past few years? Because as kind of general recruitment and particularly IT recruitment, you know, it's been it's been really, really busy. Um, so mm-hmm. have you also felt that you, you touched on it there a bit, but have you also seen that impact as well? Yeah, we're incredibly busy at the moment, um, which is a great place to be in. Yeah. Um, I feel like the tables have turned. We now have more clients looking for our consultants than we have consultants. Yeah. So our problem <laughs> now is finding the talented autistic consultants to join Autocon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much um, tables have turned. And, and yeah. how do you do that then, I suppose? Um, you know, how do you actually go out there and target these the people that you want to I think with. that's one of the biggest challenges we have at the moment because I think any um, recruitment organisation is finding it hard to find talent mm-hmm. but we're such a niche organisation mm-hmm. uh, all of our consultants have to have an, a diagnosis of autism so of course that narrows the market down substantially yeah. and they also have to have above av- average cognitive skills mm-hmm. um, and ideally one year plus uh, work experience and then in addition to that, a lot of the autistic people don't tend to go down, they don't look at the recruitment sites. So advertising in the normal manner, we wouldn't find these people. So, yeah, yeah I think we find a lot of them through word of mouth. It could okay. be that a, a relation or a friend has, has heard about Autocon and they maybe mention it to them. Or we have a, a, 
an article in a magazine. Um, it tends to be sort of PR um, that we find our talent rather than recruiting them, advertising in the normal recruitment manner. And in terms, in yeah. terms of when you were just talking then about word of mouth, um, yeah. you obviously said that when your son was in a position where he was struggling to find work, you were thinking there must be so many other people in this boat. So what is the kind of community like there, I suppose? Like, do you think that there is a lot of support for people like neurodivergent people or, or is it, do you struggle sometimes? I think more organisations are beginning to understand about neurodiversity. Mm. There's um, a lot of information available um, generally on the website. I mean, the Scottish Government, they had a great campaign quite recently. I don't know if you, you saw it, Different Minds, One Scotland. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was fantastic. And I guess the, the premise behind that was to increase the understanding of autism in the general population. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of that, they had a really great video, actually. I really encourage you guys to watch it. Okay. It was yeah. dis- dispelling all the myths and misconceptions about autism. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they had autistic people um, take one myth or, mis- or misconception each and just say why it wasn't true. So that's things like autistic people are antisocial. They don't have empathy or mm-hmm. you can't catch autism. You're born with it. Mm-hmm. So it was a fantastic video. And I think it went down really well. So I think the information is out there. Yeah. And also there's quite a few companies, much like Autocon, who are providing training. So I think the more education people have, it takes away that fear factor mm-hmm. and they can then understand how they can support autistic people. Yeah. And, then, and in terms of then the so it's global, it's a global business, and obviously you're regional director for Scotland. Um how does Scotland compare to the rest of the world in terms of how people are approaching this, the take up, um, you know, the awareness of these kind of issues is, you know, I know it obviously sounds like you've been particularly busy, but is the UK and Scotland kind of leading the way with it? I, without sort of banging our own drum, I, I would like to say so. Yeah. I think yeah. The, UK, yeah. Yeah, the UK is definitely more advanced in understanding the value that autistic people can bring to the workplace um, and in supporting them compared to the other countries. And um, mm-hmm. I think other countries are beginning to sort of take up on that. But definitely I think the UK is slightly ahead. Mm. Well, that's good to hear. And obviously you chatted us through, you know, your recruitment process and everything. But... I mean, you must have had cases where the candidate doesn't pass the recruitment process. And in which case, like, what do you do? Like, what ongoing support do you then offer? Yeah, again, we're very sensitive to that because Mm -hmm. we would love to help everybody. Um, But it's it's just not feasible when we have um, our sort of clients that we they want particular skills so if somebody doesn't have that we don't just send out an automatic reject we signpost them onto other organizations that can help and other support networks okay fantastic. we also provide treats sorry i was just going to ask like for the for people listening what are some of those organizations if you don't mind me if you don't mind me asking um Rangham is one of them and okay. they employ uh, it's another agency we, we mm-hmm. signpost some people onto them Great. also number six in Edinburgh the National Autistic Society and there's quite a few different autism societies that will provide support but we also some, if somebody's um, really passionate about having a crew in IT we sometimes provide training for them say well you're not quite there yet if you got a mm-hmm. PCAP certificate for example and sometimes we pay for that we think the person is really really keen to sort of join us yeah 
Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, interesting. That's that's good to know. Mm. I think, and I suppose being a, I'm quite interested in the social enterprise aspect of of it. You know, because I I think I've never really kind of come come across a, a social enterprise that works in this way. How does it you know, when you're working within that kind of organisation? Can you talk a bit about that experience? In terms of you know whether it's governance or communication, you know values and areas of focus. Yeah, I think it just comes down to our mission, which is yeah. to provide um, work opportunities for autistic people. Mm-hmm. So we we don't aim to make a huge profit. So yeah. Any money that we do make, we plow back into the organisation to help more autistic people. Um, and again, we would rather turn down roles than to, um, put somebody in a role that wasn't suitable. So we're definitely not looking for a huge amount of profit. Uh-huh. I think that's where mm. our like where Red maybe is like you know slightly similar to your organisation because we kind of like to operate under that basis too, don't we, Matt? Uh-huh. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I've only recently joined Red, and there's nothing I would fear more than putting somebody in a job who wasn't actually suited to that role. But I yeah. guess with you know with the work that you do, it's even more sensitive to that. But yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine a worse feeling, to be quite honest. <laughs> I know. But I, I would like to take this little opportunity to highlight we've been um, we're finalists for two awards in the um, Social Enterprise Awards Fantastic. taking place in November, which Fantastic. is awesome. Fantastic. That's great news. Yeah. Which awards? Yeah, the Social Enterprise of the Year Awards, which I'm keeping everything crossed for, and also the Social Enterprise Building Diversity, Inclusion, Equity and Justice Award. Amazing. So can people go and vote? How is the how is it selected? Do you know what, Megan? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Emma, don't worry, because we have not to blow our own trumpet, but we've actually just been uh, shortlisted for a, an award as well. So best recruitment company, um, like uh-huh. in terms of company culture for under 20 people. So we've just been, I said that in a really weird roundabout way. Matt, can you explain that a bit better? Yeah, no, it's, it's an REC um, award, so best company to work for. Um, under t- under twenty people, um, so yeah, we and that's voted for by kind of a panel of judges. Yeah. Um, and so, but we, I think, when we first went for that, we weren't weren't sure no. whether it was voted for by the people or whether it, there was a panel. And I'd imagine it might be similar for your one. Maybe there's a panel of judges within the industry that might might decide. Mm-hmm. But good good luck with it. Yeah, you know, that's fantastic. Sounds, we, we, and congratulations to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, and I guess so moving on, I just want to talk a little bit about um, obviously the past few years with COVID um, and everything impacting most businesses. How did you guys manage that? Obviously, with the kind of niche that you're in, you know, what you're doing in terms of consultancy and the obviously you're placing people into businesses but obviously you need those job coaches around in your on your hand holding people a little bit through the process can you talk about any about any changes you had to make how that kind of period of time impacted you obviously the wider there's the wider health impact and mental health issues that we need to consider as well um but could you talk about that yes definitely um i guess um, before COVID, all of our consultants would be working on client sites. So they'd be going to the client sites and we would be, the job coach would go in and visit them in the client sites. So all that had to change. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they all work in IT, we were quite well placed for people then to then work from home, which yeah. was fantastic. And I, I think for a lot of our consultants, maybe not all of them, but the majority of the consultants were really happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
working in their own home environment where they could set it up exactly how they wanted. They had the lighting how they wanted, the desk how they wanted. Yeah. And I think the biggest um, plus for them was not having to do the daily commute. Mm. I think for autistic people, that can be quite stressful. The hustle and bustle, the noise, the smells. Um, so that was normally the most stressful part of their day. So just to eliminate that, mm. most of them were very happy. I think we did have a few consultants who felt a bit isolated, probably like the majority of the population. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're working from home and if you live on your own, then it it was quite challenging. And and how did you have to manage the clients? I'd imagine obviously then, obviously everyone was working, the clients would have been working from home as well and everyone was in that same boat. But were they quite comfortable bringing people on board and having them, you know, working from home off of the bat? I mean, I suppose everyone was doing it, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Zoom is now our friend. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> Talking as well about you know you mentioned there about how it kind of it quite suited a lot of the can like a lot of the people that you place because um they did get to kind of set up their own home working environment and have it, have it like exactly so and that really suited a lot of them. Like just in terms of the office environment, then do you ever have to you know what are, are certain adjustments made in terms of like I've never really thought about it like that before like maybe wanting you know wanting the layout in a particular way and which might make people feel more comfortable um do you make any adjustments there or do like you know do clients make any adjustments there yeah definitely yeah um just to sort of backtrack on that a bit when we find a contract that we think will suit one of our consultants Mm -hmm. before the consultant joins the organization and goes into the office our job coach will actually meet the client team and they will provide some general training about autism because a lot of people don't necessarily have the correct understanding so they provide general training and then they also provide specific training about the individual consultant that's actually going to be joining the team Mm -hmm. because everybody how their autism affects them is very individual so they all have different strengths but they also all have different challenges so Mm -hmm. it's really important that the team understand how best to work with that person Mm. So that also involves like the work set up as well. Mm-hmm. So everybody's different, but some of the more general adjustments we ask for is if the client organization does hot desking, we ask, could that person have a fixed desk? Okay. Um, that takes away some of the anxiety of going into the office. Yeah. Um, and also um, some of them want a desk by window. Some of them want a desk in a quiet corner. Most want a desk away from a busy corridor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Wearing noise cancelling headphones sort of block out background noise is quite common. Yeah. It's all very, very minor adjustments. Yeah. And before COVID, all of our consultants worked quite happily in client mm. sites. And I think as well, the important thing is that, it, like you said, it's very minor adjustments, which are very yeah. easy for any company to make, really. So that's just showing people as well that, you know, it's easily done. Yeah. It shouldn't be something that then scares you or puts you off like it shouldn't be. So it's quite exactly good point yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, following on from that, we... You know, we're a recruitment business as well, technically, and we, you know, we work with a lot of HR businesses and a lot of hiring managers. Um, and what would your message be to, you know, on a broader scale, what could hiring companies do to be more neuroinclusive? Um, you know, what steps could they take? Uh, you know, how, how could they do that? Lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think um, starting off with the most fundamental thing is just treat everybody as an individual. No two people are the same. So speak to the person, ask them what adjustments would help them with the process. Um, If you've 
dealt with one autistic person, they might want one thing. So don't assume that the next autistic person will need the same adjustments. Mm-hmm. So speak to the candidates. Yeah. And I guess having an understanding about um, autistic people and neurodivergent people, mm-hmm. um, if you provide that training for all of the hiring managers or recruitment and people then they can understand what to look for in application forms because i think a lot of autistic people don't get through the shortlisting process yeah. because um of their autism um there could be gaps in their cv um or they could have lots of short-term jobs and both of which i think are quite often viewed quite negatively yeah, yeah. but the reasons for that there could be gaps because they've been in a role and they've had to leave because they're burnt out, because they've maybe masked their autism, um, or the job hasn't been suitable, they haven't had the support. Mm-hmm. And the same with lots of short-term jobs might just not have been suitable. Mm-hmm. Mm. And again, with qualifications, um, a lot of autistic people are very passionate about um, learning and what they do, so they might have upskills at home. Mm. They might not have got through universities. They might not have that certificate on their CV, Mm. but they might have even better skills and abilities because they have had that uh, focused ability um, to learn whatever the Python or C++, Mm. whatever their, their passion is. So just to to look past that on the CV you're shortlisting. And I can imagine sometimes like a university environment, I found it stressful. Like, you know, those environments are very intense and sometimes it might suit people better to, you know, pursue things at home instead in a, an environment where they do feel more comfortable. And I think yeah. as well, just for the, the audience and people listening, I think it's important to point out that at Autocon, like, you know, you do offer very tailored support, but you deal obviously with varying degrees of autism, but you obviously support other neurodevelopment conditions too. So you support people with ADHD. I've seen from your website that you work with people with other neurodevelopment conditions as well yeah I, I guess all of our consultants do have autism because that's mm. um, the cornerstone of our mission but it's very common for people with autism to have co-occurring conditions so they may have autism and adhd autism and dyslexia so we need to have an understanding of all these conditions in order to support them adequately mm. yeah no that's that's great a guest in our last series, um, tech entrepreneur Ross Tuffy, who works with Skills Development Scotland, um, was talking about training the next generation. Um, and we actually had a really interesting discussion around that, where he made the point that 50% of the jobs that will be out there in a few years' time don't exist at the moment. Um, and that part of what we need to be doing is, you know, educating young people in terms of what the potential is. So in terms of the IT sector and, you know, maybe looking at the next 10 years within that industry, what advice would you give to a Gen Z neurodiverse person just starting out in terms of how to develop their skill set to benefit them in the future? For as far as I can see, I think data is the way to go. There's so many jobs in data. Mm -hmm. So just learning the basic skills, I mean, Python for data science and SQL, all the sort of I mean, all the different technologies do change Mm. very, very frequently. Mm -hmm. So just keeping up with what the changes are. I mean, if you're passionate about something, a lot of our consultants, I mean, the, they eat, live, breathe yeah. IT. So the, the <laughs> IT is their job. They go yes. home and they, they learn things just because that's what they want to do. So I would just say just have a passion for learning, mm. keep up to date and keep an eye on data. It's great to have that level of passion about what you do as well. Yeah. I think so many people would aspire to have that, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's great what, yeah, ultimately, I guess just to finish up, I think um, it's great what you guys doing, you know, mm. um, helping in that area. And obviously the way the world's going, it's only going to, you guys are only going to get busier. All, you know, mm-hmm. all of the jobs in 
kind of 10 years time are going to be kind of IT related in one way or another, probably given the way the technology is going and embedded in kind of everything we do. So, yeah, I guess I wish you guys luck in, in yeah. your kind of the social enterprise. And I think the work you're doing is really fantastic. So anything we can do to kind of help, mm. um, you know, we can put some details um, on the kind of notes to the podcast to, mm-hmm. to point people in the right direction if they yeah. want to follow up. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, th- thanks so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I just echo everything that Matt said. And we will put like links to Otacon's website as well in the body of the podcast info just to kind of point people in the right direction there. But yeah, thanks again for chatting with us, Emma. It was really interesting. Just add, we've just published our 10-year um, social impact report. So I might just send you a little link to that so people can have a look. Yeah, yeah please do. Stuff. Definitely. Yeah, Excellent. Thanks for listening to our Red Talks podcast. Please like, share and subscribe.